guys, welcome to Unleash Podcast, brought to you by Hidden Gen, where we talk about how to unleash your hidden potential. I'm your host, Yuri Diorgens, and we have a great episode for you today featuring Ron Holloway. Ron, thank you very much for being on. Thank you, Yuri. Glad to be here. Well, before we jump into today's topics, we would like to invite you to subscribe to this podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Also, you can find these podcasts, all the episodes at uh, hiddengen.net, which is our website. And if you live around the DFW area and have not been at Hidden Gen, make sure to visit hiddengen.net and grab a free trial pass. All right, Ron. So thanks for joining again. Uh, and today we're going to talk about your book. Okay. Antifragility, 10 Principles to Live by to turn crisis into opportunity. That's a very appealing uh, title. Thank you. I and hope I, it sells. I got a marketing campaign kicking off. So Yeah, and, uh, and something that we all need these days, mainly after uh, all the layoffs that are happening in the tech mm -hmm. industry, uh, I think that this is something that can be extremely helpful. Can you uh, elaborate a little bit, like give an overview about the book? Okay. Well, the book is 10 principles that I came by as I was essentially rebuilding myself. I used to be a special agent, uh, most stressful agency you could be in. So the State Department has special agents. And uh, I got sick. My body essentially broke down and sorted my mind. And I had to rebuild my brain. So I looked at it and I said, okay, I have to change how I think. So I studied philosophy and how I was viewing the world. Yeah, I drew mostly from Stoicism and some Eastern philosophy. I had to figure out what was going on with my actual thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. So I studied psychology. So I uh, drew from what's called cognitive behavioral coaching. I looked at that trifecta of thoughts, emotions, and behavior. I had to deal with the physical aspects because one of the principles of the book is that the mind and body are one. So I studied the neuroscience. I studied the effects of stress and all that on the body. And you know the distress system, freeze, flight, fight, and fright. And, uh, and then there's a spiritual element is that there are no atheists in foxholes. And I was going to bed every night for a decade uh, kind of what I call the modified fetal position with my hand on my forehead and ringing in my ears and I would pray that was all there was left to do at the end of the night so I'd pray and I, you know there's, you make these bargains right mm -hmm. so say if I survive this I'll go on the straight and narrow I'll never drink again I'll only have eyes for my wife whatever mm -hmm. right for me the bargain was you give me the strength to endure long enough to learn what I'm meant to learn, and I'll teach it to other people. That's amazing. And and these are the principles in this book that came out of that journey. That's amazing. Uh, uh, I'm glad you talk about stoicism. I'm I'm a pretty big fan of this. It's a it's a very interesting lifestyle when you start to go deep into stoicism, mainly on areas that. You know, we don't have control about everything in life. So there is no reason to stress out about things that are out of your control, which is something that we do a lot. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, that's one of the traps people fall into, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but when you let go of that, you know, when you so seven habits of highly effective people, Stephen Covey, bestseller, two hundred and twenty weeks in a row, and he says you have your circle of control, your circle of influence, and your circle of concern, and you need to stay in your circle of control, and you are at the center of your circle of control, mm-hmm. if you are, if you have self control. And then you have some in your circle of influence, but the stuff in your circle of concern, if you get wrapped up in that, there's nothing you can do. It will eat up your mental bandwidth. And when I look at stressful situations where you need to be at your best, that kind of stuff will cause you to deteriorate and not be at your best. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, For, you know, the Unleash audience one of the things that i was looking at the book that uh, probably it will call the attention for the listeners for this audience is uh, principle number five the mind and body are one without uh, uh without going to any spoilers or anything can you just uh how you got to this conclusion not what it the the principle is about but how you got to this conclusion because you during the time of your crisis you were lacking this connection between body and mind uh well first of all i say the mind and body are one instead of saying the mind and body are connected because to say that they're connected is a gross understatement i mean there's such an integration between the two to the point that you have neurons on your heart Right? You have neurons in your gut. So, but what really got me to it is the nature of how I got sick and developed a mental health condition was physical. Right? It was a change in my body chemistry. Mm-hmm. My body started producing too much dopamine. So, and we know if you snort too much cocaine or you snort cocaine, you get a high. And that shows up in your behavior and eventually your downfall. If you drink something physical, like alcohol, clouds your judgment, and you start behaving differently, your mind is doing different things. So the mind and body are one is really from that. It's, and the importance of it is to be able to manage your mind using all of the tools available, the body is one of them. And we hear a lot about breathing and box breathing, but that's just one. Um, if we look at the body in the distress system, when you think you're in danger, there are certain mental traps you can fall into. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, and you know, this, the book I try to. This is so amazing because, and you probably as a. As an agent, you probably felt that when you are in that stress situation, your body starts to react differently. But what really starts starts on your mind, right? Uh, that uh, awareness uh, situation or that danger situation, it really did not start on your body. It starts on your mind, and your body immediately reacts. Well, actually, it was the interplay. So one, it was the way my mind worked in the first place is that I'm a type A and I seek out challenges and the best way to get me to do something is to tell me it's impossible. So I will break myself to win. And what happened 
my psychological capacity for stress actually went beyond my physical capacity. My body broke from all of the stuff going on, lack of sleep, the stress, all that. And then it affected me mentally did and emotionally. You, did you um, feel any signals going through this or when you realized you were already broke? No, pretty much when I was, when I broke. And, you know, a lot of it is ignorance to the signals. That was something I was doing with my agents before is teaching them the signals to know when to back off. And in retrospect, I can see it. But I knew nothing about mental health at the time. So I didn't know the signals. But if you wanted, I was trying to protect our guys because four of us get sick every month and go under evaluation. And we're in places like Benghazi because we protect diplomats. So Ambassador Stevens, we were there. Not me, but we were there. And uh, nobody knows. And if you can just recognize what's happening and then step back and reassess and give your body a chance to take a break, well, you might head off going off the cliff like I did. And this is an important point because the fact that the signals were there and you were ignoring uh, at the beginning because lack of awareness that those were the signals. But now that you are mindful about those signals and you can teach people what those signals are, I, I, I believe that there are still people that have that mental toughness that they say, well, despite of the signals, I'm going to go through this because I'm a tough guy. Right? So what is the message? that you give to this type of person that despite the signals, they know the signals, they feel the signals, but they just keep pushing through because they think that they can overcome or their mental toughness is going to, to, to uh, compensate. Well, I say everybody's on a journey, right? So the first principle of my book is you are the hero of the story in your life. And for some people, you know, a smart person, I mean, a dumb person won't learn from their mistakes. Average person will learn from their mistakes. A smart person will learn from somebody else's mistakes. So if I speak to someone, I could say, hey, this is what happened to me. And, you know, as far as you being a tough guy and a man card, uh, well, here's mine. I was a special agent and a soldier, and I thought the same way. And it had nothing to do with my mental toughness had to do with my physical limitations. And like I said, my psychological capacity for stress outstripping my physical capacity. And I liken it to this, right? We think it's cool to have a high pain tolerance, mm -hmm. right? Yep. However, pain is a signal. Right. So if I put my hand on the stove, I should feel something that tells me, get my hand off the stove. Right, that's what it's there for. If I have too high of a pain tolerance, yeah, it might be a cool parlor trick to put my hand on the stove and not move it. However, I'm damaging the skin on my fingers. Mm -hmm. So you got to listen to that signal. And uh, another part comes from stoicism, comes from the martial arts, is this idea of self mastery. Yeah. And uh, that talks volume you know, to me, by the way, because I practice jujitsu. So. I know, yeah, I know when to tap. I did too. I know when to tap. 
yeah, you got to know when to tap and you got to leave your ego at the door. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I competed in judo a little bit. I did some BJJ and my base art is one that's very criticized by people who don't understand it. Aikido? Aikido, yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I actually... <laughs> but, but the thing about Aikido is there are different ways of training it. So if you go here, you'll have some guy who wants to be Steven Seagal yeah. <laughs> and has a ponytail. However, I went to the Founders School in Japan, in Tokyo. And I trained with those guys every morning with no heat, canvas, tatami mat. Like, it was old school. Mm. It was different, and they didn't talk about any magical stuff. Or, uh, like, I've been slammed hard by those guys. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll, I mean, it's magical and everything, although you probably agree with me that probably the most effective one is still BJJ. Uh, I mean, you practiced all those three. If you, and as an agent and someone that was in the workforce, I think that you will agree that BJJ is the most effective one. Mm, effective in what scenario? Oh, to, for example, to ensure that you can calm down someone without hurt that person, that you can control someone without hurting someone. Because judo, I practice judo too. If you slam someone on the floor, I mean, that guy may not even come back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And BJJ, you can mount and calm down someone, or you can put someone to sleep and and calm down someone. So it's it's more it's more about control, I think. Right. It's good one on one. But if the reality is, if I'm walking down an alleyway in Peru because I drank too much at a bar, and some guys jump me. I can't get tangled up with one guy. I got to keep moving, keep him off of me. I can't lock on True. like judo or Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And, and to kind of bring my philosophy, I borrow from Bruce Lee. And he said there are no superior martial arts, only superior martial artists. But there are guys, yeah. Hicks and Gracie, he's amazing. He could do anything. Yeah, I just read his book, Breathe, and I've always loved him. But uh, you got other guys who maybe not can't pull it off. And then you have you might have somebody who can do taekwondo so well that they can actually use it. And most people can't. Yeah, I I, and I noticed that in your book you quote Bruce Lee, um, and one of the, the the ones that is very famous and I like. And I read the book that uh, his daughter wrote, "Be Like Water." Uh, mm -hmm. It's a very good book. And this phrase is. Is, is basically a lot of reflection be like water I mean you have to adapt to many mm -hmm. different situations and, and water is a great example of that yeah yeah and being fluid even in your BJJ yeah right you the situation is evolving your the status of your body next to someone else's and the really good person can it's not it's fluid mm-hmm you're flowing from move to move until right. you got them, right? Right. And that's at the higher level. And Aikido is the same way. It's got to be very fluid. Mm -hmm. And you can say that about anything. You can say that yeah, about, about anything. That's in, in, And about life in general, because it's about yeah, ad life. adaptability. So if you are in a situation that you didn't plan, I mean, you plan, you had a plan, and you went through that, 
you need to act quickly and adapt to the situation. And you probably have tons of examples of that being in the workforce. You probably had a, a, a main plan, but you had to make adaptations. Yeah, and, and actually, I, I'm big on drawing on analogies. And uh, I went into my illness with all kinds of stuff that I already knew. So Sun Tzu's The Art of War, uh, Machiavelli. But for martial arts in particular, was the idea of technique over strength. Because I was under a lot of stress after I got sick. It was even worse. Um, and I would see this thing that I'm fighting as really big. It is bigger than me. So I can't meet it force to force. I have to do like judo. When it pushes, I have to pull. And when it pulls, I have to push. And I have to get outside the fatal funnel of right in front of it. And I can't let it get on top of me. So I had those, I mean, those were literal thoughts coming into my mind is how I'm going to approach this thing uh, called the mental health condition. Uh, Sun Tzu, right? The art of war. One of the famous dictums is if you don't know yourself and you don't know your adversary, you're screwed. Mm -hmm. If you only know yourself and you don't know your adversary, 50-50. Conversely, you only know your adversary, you don't know yourself. 50-50. But if you know both, thousand battles, right? Yeah. You're going to win. So I took the same approach. I said, okay, I have to know myself very well. Like in the macro element of what I am about, but also on a very personal, like day-to-day, minute-to-minute, what is my physical mental state? And then I had to understand the illness too that I'm fighting. Did you write the, the whole book as you were going through this or you were taking notes of those moments and then after you felt fully recovered and, and you're like, oh, I, I feel like I have a lot to share, then you start writing? Now, I just wrote the book. Um, I learned kind of an interesting way. I saturate with all kinds of stuff. I like things and then things come into my head and it just incubates and goes around and then illuminate what kicks out. And I've been saturating myself for almost a decade. And then I sat down and I said, it's time to live up to my bargain, you know, that I made in the foxhole. I said, one of the mediums by which to do that is writing. And I sat down, I got in the flow state, and I wrote the book in a few days. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but this was after you were like, fully healed and, and, and done with the, the problem no because I'm still on my journey oh you're still on your journey okay I'm still on my journey I, I may always be on my journey and I kind of help hope it never stops because pain is the greatest teacher yeah problem is it doesn't give you the lesson until after the test <laughs> yeah right but like with me I'm it's almost like I develop superpowers. You know, I, I, I had to learn all of these things. And now I got a black belt in mental jujitsu. <laughs> nice. Uh, and, and that comes also the other chapter that I thought that was interesting is, uh, uh, not chapter, but principle, is the principle six. Uh, fatigue makes cowards of all of us. Now, mm -hmm. I, this can go in different direction uh, because you can have 
mental fatigue and your body mm -hmm. still be able to perform or you can have body yeah. fatigue and your mind still be able to perform when you talking about fatigue are you talking about what type of fatigue particularly i'm talking about physical fatigue it can be both but i hit on the, the mental stuff a lot in the book and i wanted to move into the physical and i talk in there about my time working in a seer school the military survival school uh training commandos and if they get captured and, and watching these guys who are super fit after there is sleep deprivation and food deprivation and no water and just watching them deteriorate physically and mentally. Now, the school was very controlled. They didn't want to break anyone. There were psychologists there for them to check in with. But, yeah, and I really wanted to play in this idea of your physical fitness being part of your overall wellness yes yeah you know your overall mental health mm -hmm. and this is something that i think a lot of people start to realize that during covid because at the mm -hmm. same time that people were locked down you we also saw a lot of people that after two months being locked down they realized that they needed to do something to move mm -hmm. so they started buying gene equipment they start doing something just to be able to move and they start feeling better so yeah the obesity rate went up in the sky but a lot of people also realize you know what i need this physical activity because i need to you know do something with my body just me eating the whole day is not helping yeah you know, a lot of my books about because it's turning crisis into opportunity right and a big part of that is not going to crap when the crisis happens. Crisis happens, mm -hmm. you know. And one of them is your body getting fatigued, and you can't carry on. Or uh, you're stressed, and you eat a pizza, and it creates brain fog. When you most need to think clearly to make life or death situations, you don't want to be fighting your body. You want to help. You want your body helping you. Through this journey that you say you're still on, uh, did you make improvements on your nutrition? Did you make improvements on your, you know, cardiovascular activity uh, and things like that? Uh, nowadays, you feel that you achieve that uh, stable scenario when it comes to mainly nutrition and physical activity. Uh, on and off. On and off right now, I'm training at Hidden Gym with a group of great guys. I hired them to get me to where I want to be. Uh, but after I got sick, I had been doing bodyguard work. So for me, the ideal was to be thick and powerful. So if someone comes out of a crowd, whatever, I can take them down like a football player. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but when I got sick, I realized, I looked in the mirror and said, okay, I am going to have to endure a lot of pain, a lot of discomfort. I don't really like to use the word pain. Discomfort and fear. So the best exercise athlete to be is an endurance athlete. And I picked out some goals, 
which was the Marine Corps PT test. So it's 20 pull-ups, three-mile run in 18 minutes, 100 sit-ups. This is to max it. Mm -hmm. And then I added in a set of 100 push-ups. So not stuff geared towards a guy who's 230 pounds. But I just got out. I ran. I dropped 65 pounds in four months. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It was my therapy. Aside from my therapy, it was... It was my personal therapy. Um, and then there was also just the, you need successes along the way and things to celebrate. Yeah, you, you need so here you, I am. You to have celebrate those uh, small wins, right? Yeah, so you know, every workout was a celebration. Every extra mile run, every minute cut off my run, every pull-up was a celebration because I had a lot of stuff on top of my, on top of me because after I got sick, I was essentially under observation for three years to see whether or not I could stay an agent. And nobody talked to me. So I could get a call any day and told that I have to retire on disability and I'd get $25,000 a year. Wow. With two little kids and a wife and I'm jacked up. Jacked up. And uh, I had that on my head. I'd lost 30% of my income because when you're an active agent, you get special pay, but when you go on, you go through the evaluation, you lose it. The guys keep it now, thankfully, because I, I actually help with that. I wrote a white paper on the evaluation after I went through it. Uh, I'm going back to your original question. Yeah, I had some physical stuff, and now I went to Greg and the folks at Hidden Gym, and I said, look, this is what I want to do. I train for the end of the world and I start off every day in my journal the same way. Why do I train? Why do I do what I do? For a decade, the answer is always the same. To provide for, to protect, and to prepare those I love. That's it. Yeah, it's so, this, so I told the guys, go ahead. No, this is so important because a lot of people, they don't know yet the why. And I think that when you nail the why, you start to understand the why you're doing this and there is a purpose behind, then things start to, to flow better. Because a lot of people, for example, oh, when yeah. they try to lose weight, they try to lose weight just because, oh, I, I just want to fit on, on this bikini for this summer. That's really, yeah. a sh- you know, a shallow purpose. It's not, that's not the really why. Now you, you have a deeper uh, understanding of, of, of the why. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of guys out there, influencers, talking about what it means to be a man and be an alpha male and all that shit. My thing is this. When you're a young man, you have a mom. You have a mom. But someday your mom's going to be an old lady, and she's going to need you to help take care of her. So right now, while you're a young man, start doing what you need to do so when your mom's an old lady, you can help her. And the same thing, when you're a young man... This is for a heterosexual, I guess, or I don't know. That's how I, I, I can only relate to that. You're going to have a family someday. And right now, while you're a young man, work hard, get an education, invest what you do have, which is your time, in something that will pay off to improve the standard of living for your family. Yep. Same thing once you have the family. And now where I am, at almost age 50, uh, I'm all about my great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren saying, the world is changing very fast. I don't know what their world will look like, but 
I wrote the principle, I wrote that book essentially for them. So whatever the world looks like, part of my legacy are those principles in that book. Perfect. This podcast is in the archive for my great-grandchildren. That's awesome. That's awesome. The book, I'm assuming that the book is available at Amazon and, and, and all that. No, it's only available for download on my website. Oh, that's cool. What, yeah. what is the website? Uh, it's arrowcoachingllc.com, and it'll be up in a couple of days. I just uh, hired a company to do a custom website. But yeah, I cut out the middleman. So you're not publishing a, a, in any other publisher at all? I mean, this was self-published? Not at this time. Okay. Not at this time. Right now I'm self-publishing. I want to do a traditional book. Uh, I think I have the writing abilities and the content to maybe get sponsored by a publisher and actually get an advance. Uh, so I'll go that route. And I know other authors who've done that, bestsellers and all that. But I have passive income from my book. So the big thing for me now is freedom. No, no it's, it's great. I, I, I'm an author myself. I published a total of 30 books so far. And uh, it was all via publishers. Um, uh, that's why when I saw the book, I thought, well, maybe this is the ebook version. Maybe it's available at Amazon. But one one thing that is uh, is uh, I think it would be awesome if you could do it, is to have an audible version of the book, because the yeah. book fits so perfectly in an audible format. You know, it's very straightforward. So if if I if I'm able, for example, as I go to the treadmill or something, just listening to that, it would be awesome. Audible is great. Yeah, I'll do that. I think audible is actually. So what I'm going to be doing? Are you familiar with Tim Grover? Yes, I, I read the Relentless. I, I read both. Yeah, well, he's on. Yeah, on his website, he has the Relentless system, and it's a series of videos that you can buy. The system it's three hundred bucks. You become part of a Facebook group. You get coaching. So I'm setting up something like that. It's just the ebook right now funds me while I write the traditional book and then do those videos. So it's just step by step. Nice. So there is a there is a bigger plan. The, oh, yeah. the, the book is yeah. just the beginning. Uh, the book is probably second step from the beginning. I've been out speaking. I actually spoke at SMU uh, last week to the MBA students. That's amazing. Well, uh, glad to have you at Hidden Gin. Um, I hope that uh, you can achieve your goals there. You, you are in great hands. Thank you very much oh, yeah. uh, for, for sharing uh, your knowledge uh, and make sure that you visit his website. Say again your website. Arrowcoachingllc.com. Yeah. Make sure to visit to get more information about the book. And Ron, thank you very much uh, for being on today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. On. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Thank you very much for your audience. Uh, stay tuned. And we have more to talk about. Thank you.